0: You're listening, listening to, so Bible, to Bible Plus. Bible Plus from Seesaw. Seesaw. Bible Plus is a podcast featuring short, daily discussions of every chapter in the New Testament. Bible Plus is designed to increase Bible reading, understanding, and enjoyment. Get more out of the Bible. John chapter six is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. In this chapter, we see that. Christ, who is life, comes to feed the hungry people in the world. Now, in verse 1, it says that they were going across the Sea of Galilee, and the sea in in the Bible and in the New Testament signifies the world. It signifies the world, and particularly the world system That has been set up by Satan. It's been designed by Satan over thousands of years. And it is Satan's world system to occupy man and to replace God. And in the world where we find ourselves, we realize there's no satisfaction and there's no peace. Instead, there's only hunger and there's trouble. The people in the world are hungry. And they're also troubled. And in this first section of John chapter 6, there's a lot of people here following the Lord. And the Lord, uh, he sees this great crowd coming toward him. And he asks his disciple, Philip, he says, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And... um, Eventually, there's a small boy, a little boy, who has five barley loaves and two fish. Um, Well, the two fish point to the animal life, through which blood is shed, signifying the redemption of Christ, pointing to the death of Christ. And the five loaves of barley bread point to the plant life which signifies the regenerating aspect of the life of Christ. So, with the fish and the loaves, we see the redemption of Christ and the organic salvation of Christ, starting with his regeneration. And, moreover, the scene here shows us the smallness of the Lord Jesus. First of all, It was just a small amount of food to feed 5,000 people. But also, this small amount of food was brought by a small boy. We need to see here that the Lord came not to be a great king, but to be small enough for us to eat. You know, it's interesting, in Matthew 15, a Syrophoenician woman called the Lord crumbs under the table. He's the bread of life, but he's even the crumbs under the table. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Small enough to eat, even by us Gentile dogs. Well, listen, don't try to go to heaven to enjoy the kingly Christ. There, he is too big. But here, right now, on earth, in the middle of the world situation, he is small. He's available. He's under the table. He's like the crumbs. He himself, that's Jesus Christ, is unlimited. But to fill our need, he is so small. He's small enough to eat. He did not present himself to man in his greatness, but rather in his smallness. Whatever we put into our mouth has to be smaller than us, right? And you just consider Jesus Christ. He was born in a small manger, in a small town. And he says here in John 6 that he came as the reality of the manna, the bread that came down from heaven. Well, one of the characteristics of manna in Exodus 16 is that it is small. It's a small, round thing. So here with this first section of Uh, the hungry world and the feeding Christ. Uh, I just enjoyed this point that Jesus Christ is small enough to eat and he feeds those who are hungry in the world because the world leaves us with no satisfaction and it leaves us hungry. Now the next section uh, shows us the trouble in the world. Yes, the world is, is not only not satisfying, uh, leaving us hungry, but it's also troubling. And in this section, uh, the disciples were crossing the sea in a boat. And as they were crossing, um, it, it got dark and the wind began to blow strongly. The sea was churning and the, um, the disciples were afraid. And then Jesus comes walking on the water, and he came near to the boat, and and they were willing to take him in to the boat, and immediately, it says, the boat was at the land to which they were going. Well, the wind and the waves, they signify the troubles that we encounter in our human life here in the world, and brothers and sisters, we need peace, and the troublesome world is for Christ to come in. And Christ walks on the waves. If you receive Christ into your uh, relationships, into your family life, into your schooling situation, and so forth, there will be peace. The wind and the waves are calmed down. You know, the demons, they're under our feet. They're under us. They're in the sea. The evil spirits are above us. They're in the air. We're surrounded by all kinds of trouble here in the world. And the boat signifies the practical matters uh, <clears throat> that we need for our daily living, our schooling, our job, our family, our finances, and so forth. And our tendency is to handle these things by our natural self, by our natural strength, our natural wisdom. But the Lord desires to be invited into our boat, invited into our relationships, into our family life, into our finances, into every aspect of our human life. He wants us to invite him in. Uh, and when he comes in, praise the Lord, there is peace. Now the next section in this chapter is a lengthy section uh, starting in chapter two and go, I mean sorry, starting in verse 22 and going to the end of the chapter, and it speaks concerning Christ coming as the bread of life. And of course, all these sections deal with Christ coming as life to meet our need. Here he comes as the bread of life. And <clears throat> um, starting in verse 32, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, Moses has not given you the bread out of heaven, but my father gives you the true bread out of heaven. You know, just a few verses earlier, the disciples were talking about how the forefathers ate the manna, the bread that came down from heaven. But Jesus says, uh, the bread of God is he who comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. And he says, I am the bread of life. And in verse 38, for I have come down from heaven. Now, right here, in saying, I have come down out of heaven, the Lord Jesus is pointing to his incarnation. In fact, in this section from 32 to 71, we're going to see the whole process that the Lord went through in order to be the bread of life to us. He went through incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, And now he's embodied in the life-giving word, and we can come to the word of God and get the life of God. But right here, when he says, I have come down out of heaven from God, he's pointing to his incarnation. Then we come to, uh, let's see here, in, in verse 52, the Jews then contended with one another, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus, therefore, said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within yourselves. So uh, here, in saying this, he's displaying his, his flesh, his body, and his blood separated. Whenever the blood is separated from the flesh, this means death. This means death. It points to Jesus Christ crucified. He was slain. To eat the Lord's flesh is to receive by faith all that he did by giving his body for us. And to drink the Lord's blood is to receive by faith all he accomplished by shedding his blood for us. So this is the significance of the flesh and blood of Christ Uh, here in these verses, it's pointing to the death of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ. But then we come to verse 56. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Well, when Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead, the Bible tells us he became a life-giving spirit, so now he can abide in us. So this verse points to the resurrection of Christ. He came down out of heaven from God. That's his incarnation. His flesh and blood were separated. That's his death, his crucifixion. And now he abides in us who receive him. That points to his resurrection. Then we come to um, verse 62. He says, Then. What if you saw the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? Right there is the ascension of Christ. And the ascension of Christ proves the completion of the redemptive work of Christ. According to Hebrews 1.3, it says, After Christ made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in the heavens. He finished his work. And now he abides in us us who have believed and received Jesus Christ himself as our life. Now, a marvelous point is here in verse 63. Here he says, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. You know, earlier he said, you need to eat me in order to live because of me. And the disciples said, wait a minute, this is a hard word. Who can hear it? But the Lord clarified it here in verse 63. He said, it's the Spirit who gives life. I'm not talking about eating my physical flesh. The flesh profits nothing. It's the Spirit who gives life. I'm going to be the life-giving Spirit in resurrection to get inside of you, to abide in you. It's the Spirit who gives life. You need to believe. You need to receive me as the Spirit in resurrection. But then the verse goes on. It says, the words which I have spoken to you, our spirit and our life. The words. Praise the Lord. The resurrected Christ is the spirit and the spirit is the word. If we don't see the relationship between the spirit and the word, there's no way for us to eat and drink the Lord. Right? He lived 2,000 years ago. How are you going to eat Him and drink Him? Even He was a physical man. You don't eat physical people, right? But He resurrected from the dead, becoming the life-giving Spirit. And now, as the Spirit, He's embodied in the Word. We have to see the relationship between the Spirit and the Word so that we can eat and drink the Lord now by simply and practically coming to the Lord by coming to His Word and praying His Word. And when we do that, brothers and sisters, prayer, prayer is a spiritual exercise. When we exercise our spirit to pray the Word of God, we get spirit and life. We receive Christ. We eat Him. We drink Him. We get filled with Him. We get satisfied. Our hunger deep within is satisfied. When we come to the Word of God, in which is embodied the resurrected and ascended Christ. So this is a marvelous chapter and it ends in a marvelous way concerning coming to the word of God to get the life of God. So eventually in verse 68, Peter says this. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Because the Lord said, do you also want to go, go away? After hearing what I'm talking about, eating me and drinking me, Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. Amen.